You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. 2 Timothy 3.5. Remember, we're talking about this. I'll get there in a minute. Remember, we're talking about uh, for the kingdom of God is not in, in meat or drink, but it's in righteousness. Y'all remember? It's in what? Righteousness. Say it with me. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. And we saw the kingdom of God is not in word only, but it's in power. So we talked about righteousness, we've talked about peace, we've talked about joy, we're talking about in the Holy Ghost, and we're talking about power. Everybody shout power. Power. Uh, Aren't you grateful for the power of God? And so 2 Timothy 3.5 says, having a form of godliness, talking about the last days, it talks about a laundry list of things they'll do. And if you read through all that, 2 Timothy 3.1-4, you will see we are living in the last days. No question. And it says, plus, they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. Now watch. He didn't say, turn away from this person, turn away from that person. He said, turn away from people who deny the power of God. If you should have an exclusive group of friends, it should be people who believe in the power of God. You shouldn't be hanging with those who don't believe in the power of God says the Lord. This is a high thing for him. I don't want you hanging with people who don't believe in my power. Let's look at this in the Amplified Classic. It says this, For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, so they act religious. How many know Jesus, Pastor Robert mentioned it, Jesus was always irritated with the heathen, right? No, he was always irritated with the religious. Make sure your irritation is where God's irritation is. He he gets irritated about religion because it turns him into something that he's not. He said, for although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers. They deny, they reject, and they are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. In other words, when you believe in the power of God, you've been changed. When you believe, come on, let's ask Peter. He denied Jesus three times, but after he got a hold of the power, he was able to preach to a multitude. Amen. When you got a hold of the power of God, you change. Praise the Lord. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty big stuff. He says to turn away from people who deny his power. In other words, when you come into the last days and they're doing this and this and this, I don't have time to go through the laundry list. They're they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. You know, um, they're ungrateful. You know, Basically, children are disobedient. All kinds of stuff happening, sexual stuff, all kinds of perversion happening. He says, when you see that, you're in the last days. And when you see that, turn away from people who have a form of religion but deny the power of God. 
In other words, you got to come over and you got to hang with and be a part because God's all about power in the last days. He's about to show his power. You need to cooperate with the power. You need to understand the power. You need to flow with the power. Power got to be in you. Power got to be on you. Power going to go through you. Amen. Glory to God. And so let's remind ourselves of these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 4.20, we already said this one, for the kingdom of God is not in word. Idle chatter, but in power. I wasn't going to do this, but let's look at 1 Corinthians. I'll throw somebody for a loop up front. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, 19, and 20. Let's look at it in the New Living, and I'm going to need your help real quick. I know I just threw you, but 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, New Living Translation. Uh, 1 Timothy, no, no, no. 1 Corinthians 4, New Living, right? 1 uh, Timothy, no. 1 Corinthians, now you got me messed up. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4, 18. New Living. There we go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. So as Paul is talking to a group of people, how many know the Corinthian church, that's with all the tongue talkers, all the, the flowing in the spirit, he had to get it all organized. But there was also some sin in the camp. And he said, some of you have become arrogant, thinking I'm not coming. Verse 19. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. In other words, if you're really walking with God, there ought to be some power. No, he, he said this. It's not so. King James says not in word, but that you know. Some people get well. Why does that mean? No, you got to speak the word so God can perform something. But you see, people who just talk about it and never expect anything, God doesn't want. To, he doesn't do. Anything. There's nothing that. No, you understand? It's not in word only. It's not just in a bunch of speeches. It's not just in a bunch of pretense. This is not a religion. There, when we speak the word of God, there's power available. And the Lord wants us to understand that. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. For our gospel. Oh, let's, did you already change that? Let's finish up verse 20 in the New Living. 1 Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians 4.20. You love me? Whoever's up there? Who's up there? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 4.20, New Living. He said, he said uh, whether they really have God's power. Verse, 1 Corinthians 4.20, New Living. No. Okay. But it's just talking about, you know, it's basically saying, uh, you know, no more idle chatter. It's not just a bunch of talk. It's not just a bunch of talk. All right, let's move on. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. Everybody say, not word only. How many of you know God wants you to be taught the word of God? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I mean, without the word of God, there is no power of God. But it was never just meant for you to take notes and see no power. Learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and repeating and learning and learning. When are you ever going to do? When are you going to quit learning and not just learn, but do something? The power is activated when you do something. You do something. Yeah, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, but really um, 
it's important for you to understand, it's not just head knowledge. It's knowledge with an intent of use. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. Come on, somebody shout power. power. And in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, keep your opinions to yourself. But in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. God can't demonstrate your opinion. Or, well, I just believe. I don't care what you believe and neither does God. You have to believe the Word. And speak the Word. Come on, I'm trying to help you. The opinions that you spout out are not going to bring God's power. The only thing that brings God power is his word and his word only. Used properly and correctly. Are you all good? Hallelujah. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration. God is a demonstrator. God is a demonstrator of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Be careful right now what you say you trust in. They're trying to get you to mock them. Uh, uh, they, the devil knows the power of your words too. I trust in the, you fill in the blank. You better trust in the, I don't trust in the, I trust in him. I trust in the word. My trust is firmly on the written word of God and on God himself. That's where my trust is. If you hear yourself saying anything else you trust, you are headed down a slippery slope. Come on. Everybody shout, I trust God. I trust his power. Woo, glory to God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. And then we talked about the power of God in you. Are you grateful the power of God's in you? Colossians 1.27 says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, somebody shout, Christ in me. The hope of glory. Woo, it's the anointing in you, the anointed one in you, with an expectation of the manifestation of the glory and the power of God. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Ark of the Covenant is now you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Then what do we know? We know 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 6 and 7 says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful that you the power that the power of God, verse 7, that the power of God is not of you, but it's of him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not us. So it's not our power, it's not our ability, but it's God's power. And that power is in you. That power was towards you. The greatest display of power ever was when Jesus was raised from the dead. That power was towards you. That power is in you. That the resurrection power of God is living on the inside of you, and it's quickening you. Amen. And then we saw the power of God then also comes on us. That was never available to them. 
in the new, the power of God in them was never available to them in the Old Testament. The power of God on everybody was never available in the Old Testament, but it's available to you. Matthew 3.11, remember we looked at this, that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire or the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. And remember what Acts 1 says and says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. I mean, has the Holy Ghost come on you? Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Is the power of God on you? Is the power of God in you? Amen. So the power of God's in you. Power of God's on you. And I was thanking Annie after we went out after Friday night. I said, thank you for listening to the Lord because you helped prime my pump a little bit. Keep talking about the power of God. It's like the Holy Ghost knows what's going on. Hallelujah. Because he's arranging it. But right now I'm going to talk to you about the power of God through you. If the world ever needed you right now, it needs you now. But it doesn't need your opinions. It needs the power of God that lives in you. The world needs the power of God that's upon you. And you and I have to quit thinking that everything is going to come through a ministry gift. Because as part of the body of Christ, God wants to use you. He wants you to touch people. He wants you to help people. He wants you to minister people. So are you ready? We're going to talk about it again. So we just mentioned Acts 1.8. So let's look at this. The first thing the power of God will do upon you is it will turn you into a witness. Now, I thank God we can go a witnessing, but that's not what this is talking about. You can go witnessing, but really it means for the entire body of Christ, Acts chapter 1-8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Has he come upon you? Have you let him come upon you? Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? After you were born again, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? And what happens? Jesus said this, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you'll be witnesses. Where? Both in Jerusalem and Judea. So no matter, so he's talking to the Israelites because they were the first group that got filled. So he said, you go both to Jerusalem and Judea. Then I really like this, and some people need to understand this. And then the next thing he do, he sent them to Samaria. How many of you know the Israelites didn't talk nice about the Samaritans? They called them names like half-breeds. And God said immediately after you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to quit thinking that way. After you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to quit seeing them as less than or different than. I'm going to send you to them right away. And that's where he sent Philip the evangelist. So you need to get over it, how you all think you look or how you all talk different or how your culture's different. Because when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, all that stuff goes away. At least it should. Unless you start hanging out with people who like to make things a distinction again. But with God, he said, after you get smeared with the Holy Ghost, everything and everyone is going to start looking different. And if they're not looking, come on, everybody's the same. And he sent him to the Samaritans and he sent Philip there and they had a citywide revival. And they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, then besides that, who you call unclean, I'm going to send you to them too. <laughs> so all this nonsense of separation is going to be over. And the only way it can be over is in the Holy Ghost. 
And not just being born again, but being filled with the power of God and the fire of God. It changes the way you look. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you see other people. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to send you to the uttermost, to the heathen, to those you call unclean. Remember, he had to really work on Peter. He had to give him a vision. (laughs) Right? Woo! So what it will do? It will turn you into a witness. And everybody you see, you'll want to make sure they know your Jesus. You want to make sure that they know him, that they're going to heaven. And then as soon as you get them born again, why don't you go ahead and talk to them. Right after you get them born again, don't even take a breath. Now, listen, do you want everything God has for you? Do you want everything God has for you? Why would they need to be taught? They need to be right then, right there, right when they're woo, all the way open. Hallelujah. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you don't know how to do it, get them here to church. We know how to do it. Acts chapter 4. What are we supposed to be a witness of? How many of you know... Um, when you go to court and you're called as a witness, like you're at, you know, you get a court scene and, you know, you call, you, and you, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the whole truth, help me God, you know. Oh, and they do that on a Bible. That's interesting. My mamma would never say, she would never do that. I don't know why. She'd say, I affirm. She wouldn't say, I swear by. Anyway. But, uh, but, the truth is, you couldn't be a real witness unless you saw something or you personally heard something. Because, you know, you've watched, you know, the, all those lawyer shows and, you know, I object, that's hearsay. Right? And hearsay is not allowed because that's religious. If you take it into the church, that's religion. I heard I never experienced, I never saw, I don't know anything about, but I just heard. See, this is not, that's not what you're supposed to be. This is supposed to be no-so for you. You have Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of what? Of the resurrection. Jesus is alive. They gave witness that Jesus is alive. Your witness is about a living Jesus. Your witness is not about Cornerstone. Your witness is not about church. Your witness is not about God. Your witness is, I know a Jesus who is alive from the dead, who took my sin, who took my guilt, who took my shame, who took my pain. He got up with healing in his wings. He has changed my life. He's redeemed me. He's delivered me. He set me free. I tell you, he's alive. And when you start talking about the resurrection, when you start talking about a living Jesus, then what happens is this. They gave witness of the resurrection and the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. And then we'll talk about it later. But then they began to do signs and wonders and miracles. Why? It was all around the resurrection. It was all around a living Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's alive He's alive. I know you know that, but they don't know that. 
Especially in our hour, they think what we have is a religion. They think we gather together just to soothe our conscience. But we come together to celebrate a living Savior, someone we have a relationship with, someone I actually know. I know him. I know him so good because he lives in me. And he comes upon me and he works through me. Hallelujah. Everybody shout, I'm a witness. So when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when the power of God, and it's true about God living in you, but really it's supposed to be amplified because the Spirit of God coming upon you is for other people. Yes, there's some benefits of you speaking in other tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, but that power is the, 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 the salvation, the power in is a well that springs up to everlasting life. That's for you. The power that comes upon you is supposed to be for others as a witness. What are you witnessing to? He's alive. What are you witnessing? You th with that witness then comes a demonstration. A demonstration of what? Jesus is alive. And so therefore, that's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, verily, verily, or truly, truly. When you get a verily, verily, or a truly, truly, you better listen. He's saying this with emphasis. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me. Does, I got any believers in the room. Come on, really, seriously, do you believe? Yeah. Are you believers in what he said? Because if you believe what he said, you'll do what he said to do. Amen. Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do. Okay, what works did Jesus do? Well, he went about doing good and healing. All that were oppressed. In other words, he, he set people free. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach. So that's a work. He, he's anointed me to, um, to uh, give sight to the blind. That's spiritual blindness. Uh, give sight to the blind. Heal the brokenhearted. That's the works of Jesus. Uh, heal the brokenhearted. So you're supposed to bring, get the prisoners out of the prison house. Get them delivered. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to minister to the brokenhearted. Uh, healing. He went about do, doing good, healing all, healing all. So healing is definitely a work of Jesus. He raised people from the dead. Come on. He, he met their uh, natural needs. He, he, he gave, turned wine, uh, water into wine. He multiplied the bread and the fish several times. Amen. He wants to provide. Those are the works of Jesus. He said, if you believe, do you believe on him? What kind of works are you supposed to be doing? Same works. And then he said, he, he, the works that I do, you shall do also. So the first, let's start here. So the works that he did, you're supposed to be doing. The works that he did, you're supposed to be doing. No, very, very, verily, verily, truly, truly. So if we're not doing the works that he's doing, don't go to the greater works yet. You're not even doing the works that he's doing. And I don't think that greater works means what most people think it means. Because I, I don't know about you, but I don't know many of you who walk on water. You're not doing anything greater than that, are you? No. But let's just let's go back. Are we supposed to be doing the works of Jesus? How are you going to do the works of Jesus? Well, after you get filled with the power. When you have a realization the power of God's in you and the power of God's on you, you're supposed to be doing the works that he did. Is the church as a whole doing the works of Jesus? Are they just getting together and 
bloviating, just chatting, talking about what he used to do. You know, this is first service. You can handle this. We're supposed to be doing the works of Jesus. When we see sickness, what are we supposed to do to it? Oh, we fear you. No, we're supposed to be talking to it, commanding it, demanding it, touching people with it, believing God that it goes. All of it, from a fever, Peter's mother-in-law, to a little boy in a casket who was too young for him to die. We ought to be doing the works of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And greater works, everybody say, um, Lord, help me do the works that you did. Now, you can't do it on your own. We're going to get to it because I can't heal anybody. Can you? No. Some people, especially ministers, go, my anointing. It's not my anointing. Your anointing. People say, You're, you have a strong anointing. It's not my anointing. I have nothing to do with it. I can increase it by yielding to the Lord, but it's not mine. It's the power of God. Are you, are you, come on. Can you do the works of Jesus? Are you supposed to be doing the works of Jesus? Is, can, can we improve there? Can we improve there? Amen. And greater works than these he shall do because I go to my Father. I think the clue here is I go to my Father. I think the clue is I go to my Father. Before Jesus went to the Father, these two works were never done. Salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said the works that I do, salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is what I see in this, studying other parts of the Word of God, are the greater works. Because we're not going to be doing any greater than walking on water and raising the dead. If it is greater than that, it might be greater in number because there's more of us doing it. Same Holy Ghost. Are you all with me? So let's, so be, you know, let's do the works and let's do the greater works. Amen? Amen? Well, let's back up just in case you, um, let's back up. Let's go John 14, 8. Let's go John 14, 8. John 14, 8. Philip, this is not, it's not Peter this time, it's Philip. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient. And what did Jesus say? Okie dokie, no? Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time? There's a little frustration here. <laughs> have I been so long time with you? And yet, don't you know me? <laughs> Philip, he that has seen me, you've seen the Father. And how, say it, why are you saying, show us, come on, have I been this long with you? You don't understand who I am, where I've come from, and how I do what I do? And you want to say, show me the Father? You know, you know, how many know somebody that, like even myself, if somebody, you know, 25 years has been hanging out around me in the church and suddenly they have a different opinion of me. I mean, if 25 years is not enough to figure it out, I don't know what you need. Verse, um, verse 
10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself. Remember Jesus said in other places, he said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. Um, The words I speak to you, I speak not of myself. So I'm not just saying what I want to say. But the Father that dwells in me, the Father that dwells in me, the Father that dwells in me. Jesus was all God, all man. But here he's saying the Father dwelt in him. And we also know the Holy Ghost came upon him. Because until the Holy Ghost came on him, he didn't do anything mighty. He didn't do any miracles, any signs. I don't care what they told you about him healing birds' wings. He didn't. He didn't. Verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. In other words, you ought to be able to see this work and see that God is doing something. Remember the centurion. He didn't know anything about Jesus. And he said, I'm a man under authority. Just I, I see you're a man under authority. And I see that you say to, you know, I say to this one, go and it goes. This one, come and comes. They obey me. I see that you're under authority too, just like me. And when you say something, it works. When you do something, it works. I, I believe, and I, I don't know him, but I believe that you know somebody that can get some stuff done. And then verse 12 says, the works that I do, What's the key here? God in you. He said, it's the Father. No, he's Jesus. He said, it's the Father in me. And we can also know, because of everything else that's happened, it's the Holy Ghost upon him. Let me ask you a question. Is the Father, is the Lord in you? Is the Holy Ghost on you? That's why he can fully, confidently say, the works that I do shall you do also. Oh, we got to hurry. Hallelujah. Um, I want you to turn with me. Just for time's sake, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, the Amplified Classic. Ooh, this blesses me. I'm trying to get you to understand who lives in you, who's on you, and why the power can work f- through you. Now, if you've ever been in a church where they say, well, that's just for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. I'm here to tell you, the Bible says in Mark 16, 20, 15 through 20, uh, that the believers are supposed to be doing the works of the ministry. I'm supposed to train you so that you can do the works of the ministry. But how are we going to do them? He said this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, Amplified Classic. For in him, the full, in Jesus, for in him, in Jesus, the full, the whole fullness of the deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell. So in Jesus, you've got the entire Godhead dwelling in him. In bodily form, giving complete expression of God's divine nature. Verse 10. So, so verse 9, Colossians 2, 9 says, this is what we've got. We've got the whole fullness of the deity of God, the Godhead. It's dwelling in bodily form in Jesus, giving complete expression to God's divine nature. Now that would be good, and that's good for Jesus, but verse 10 and, and listen to this. Verse 10 says, and you are in him. Remember what he said to the people before he said, the works that I do, you shall do also. 
He said, listen, listen up for the work's sake. Listen, listen how I do the works. The Father's in me. I'm in him. The Father's in me. Oh, I want you all to get this. Because, see, if you think it's about you and you being good enough and you fasting enough and you praying in tongues long enough, then you're going to mess this all up because then it's going to be about you and glory to you, glory to you. But God's not going to share his glory with you because it's not about you. It's about what you believe. It's about what you understand. And it says this. It says, and you are in him. You, in other words, I can say this. The Lord is in me and I'm in him. The Lord is in me, and I'm in him. I'm in him. I'm in him. <laughs> and you're in him and, and, made, and made full. Made full and having come to the fullness of life in Christ, you too. Because I've said this many times before, and sometimes people look at me kind of funny. Well, that's not what it says. And I never really go through 9 and 10. I just knew 10 was always there and assumed you knew 10 was always there. Because I say, you know, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in me. And people say, no, that's not what it says. But verse 10, that is what it says. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. In Because the Godhead dwelled in Jesus. And now you're in him and he's in you. And the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they reach their full spiritual stature, and he's the head and the rule of all authority in every angelic principality in the world. My point is this. Jesus said, it's God the Father in me that does the work. It's God the Father in me that does the work. If I'll do what I see him do, well, I can see him do a whole lot. If I'll say what he says, which is his word, and then the inspiration of his word when he gives it to me. And understanding that it's Christ in me. It's God in me. It's God in me that does the work. Come on. Y'all, God lives in you. I know it's about you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But let's quit making it just about you. Let's quit making it just about you. Let's make it about somebody else. You've got the Godhead, fullness of God living on the inside of you. The greatest power that ever was, has ever been shown, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. you got the power of God on you. You're a witness. You're a witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, the apostles did it, and the, old, the, the, the early church did it, but you're still part of that church. And the same Holy Ghost, the same power of the Father in you, and the Holy Ghost on you, it's him that does the work. He just needs you sometimes to step aside and let him do the work. But you got to believe. you got to cooperate. Woo, glory to God. I mean, the Bible is very clear. Mark 16, 15 through 20, about what works we're supposed to do. And he said to them, Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Why? Because that's what he did. That's the work of Jesus. Verse 16. He that believes and baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. I believe that's part of the greater works. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. That's the works of Jesus. They shall speak with new tongues. That's the greater works. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That's part of the works. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verse then, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven, sat on the right hand of God in verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord, I came not unto you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration 
and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I got so much more to tell you, but you'll be back next week. Hallelujah. We'll just, we'll just stop there. Um, we, we got a good start. Hallelujah. Thank God for the works of Jesus. Right? But he wants to work those works through you. It's God in you, God on you, God through you. The power in you, the power on you, the power through you. It's the Father that, that works the works. He's in you. You and I need to have more confidence than ever before that God wants to show himself strong. He wants to help people. And he needs you to yield to him. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.